0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best Goals to win, for Christ's sakes. And you keep talking about the CBT. You keep talking about prospects and your long-term goal. Like, you just basically told us we ain't good enough. We suck. You let us down. Angry Lou. Yeah. Angry Lou. A hole the size of I don't even know what in that bullpen. Keep playing like dog Great call by my manager Lou. Go get me a goddamn first baseman. That's what I want. I don't want an outfielder D8. I need a first baseman. Okay, Lou, I- I'll ask you something. What? How do you go into the season without a closer? How do you not address the closer situation?
2: Lou, what's up, Bill?
0: Good, how are you doing? Good. Well, it's always great to have you here, Lou.
3: For one final time here in what is turning into a tank job of a regular season, we welcome in our friend, the voice of baseball in Boston, Lou Merloni. Lou joins us on the Harbor One Hotline and is brought to us by Shaw's and Star Market where you can win free groceries in their Grand Slam Summer Sweepstakes. Lou, good afternoon.
2: You know, it's going to be emotional. I'm trying not to tear up, you know, the final meeting here. Um, but it's going to be hard. But it's uh, it's going well here in beautiful Baltimore. Watching the Ryder Cup, watching Team USA get their ass kicked.
3: What was it like watching, of all teams, Lou, the Baltimore Orioles clinch the division last night? I don't think that's happened in, uh, what, 30 years or something. I don't even know.
2: Yeah, you know. It's um obviously, you know, with this Red Sox team, it's kind of disappointing. But in, in a way, I actually enjoyed it because I saw a baseball team that goes out and plays baseball the right way. You know, I saw a team that, that goes out there and, and it's number one with runners in scoring position, plays defense, runs the bases, gets pitching enough starting pitching and a lockdown bullpen. So, you know, partly and I've been in those situations before where it's not a bad thing to have the Red Sox sit in that dugout. And watch this Baltimore Oriole team celebrate the Americans' in their hundredth victory, and realize what you kind of play for. And I know they all know that; they know that. But sometimes that sinks in a little bit when you see a team do it right in front of you.
4: You know, it's uh, you know the the um um like the Yankees and the Red Sox have really just kind of like that's that's the marquee names in the East. And I'm I'm curious if you think the either one of those teams have the ability to catch any of the other teams that are ahead of them.
2: Well, I, you, know, I, you know, I know more about this Red Sox organization. So I would say that there's some ability there. There's some hope there. There's some young players. There's there's some guys in that bullpen um, that if this team goes out and adds a couple of, of starters, you know, makes a couple of impact trades or, or maybe just one big one, whatever it may be, that they're in a position to kind of you know be a playoff team. You know, the Yankees, you know, I don't know where it comes from. I feel like you almost need an entire new lineup other than, you know, Judge and maybe Bulby. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like, where do they go offensively? Because this is not the off season to build an offense, to build a lineup. This is an off season to get pitching. And that's where, like, the Red Sox desperately need it. And hopefully they can go out and do what they have to do and kind of be back there.
3: So, Lou, as we kind of put this season to bed, how do we put into context what we've seen in the month of September? Because, like you said, Baltimore's playing the game the right way. The Red Sox at one point were sixty nine and sixty one. If you're a five hundred team, that's one thing. This month has been a tank
2: job. Yeah, it really has. But um, four and seventeen, the last twenty one. And I know some people out there that maybe have a magic number of, say, I don't know, just throw one out there, like 78 and a half. Mm. Maybe aren't too happy right now with the way how this thing's ended. And <laughs> really offensively. <laughs> mm.
3: <laughs> if you got him early, you got him at 76, and you're sweating less. But I digress. Oh, my
4: God.
2: But it, it's, like, offensively, like, that outburst they had the other day, down seven, nothing, came from the kids. You know, it came from Valdez, three-run homer, and Abreu, two-run double. And it's like these these kids are out here trying to still playing for something, and they're trying to prove they can play in this league. But it just seems like there's a lot of empty at-bats and offensively. And just to play, you know, offensively to play the way you are. And you've had pitching, other than a couple of bad starts there the last couple of games. Uh, but offensively, it's been bad. And it's just it's hard to watch them kind of sit there and almost to the point where I feel like, hell, at this point, what else do you get to lose? I mean, you to the next three and get a better draft pick. And it's bad that it's come, kind of come to that.
4: So, um, Lou, what do you make of the whole, like, the premature, hey, Chris Sale's going to be our starter in 2024? Like, what is – is that – should Cora have even, like, kind of, you know, hinted at that, talked about it? Is that something that you want Chris Sale to even hear? I mean, I, what do you, what's your take
2: on that? To me, opening day starter is all about respect. It's got nothing to do with whether you're my ace, whether you're my best pitcher, or anything. Corey Kluber started opening day. Everybody knew he wasn't the best pitcher. He was lined up. He was healthy. They had a lot of health concerns with a lot of guys in that rotation. So it's just the way spring training worked out. So saying that about Chris Sale is what it's saying is like if you're here, number one, and you are healthy, then out of respect, given the journey you've taken the last two or three years, you will be starting opening day. And then, you know, and then whoever they go out and get in the off season will pitch game two, whoever they go out and get in the off season will pitch game three, Bayo will pitch game three, game four, and the rotation sort of starts with you know whatever five one two three how we want to look at it. Like, we lose our minds over calling Kluber an opening day starter or saying that Sale might be, but it's really it's like an overrated emotion. It's all about respect. It's all about health coming out of camp. There's a lot of factors that play into it, but I just think it's a respect thing for a guy that's kind of gone through a lot and has done a lot earlier in his time here.
3: So Lou, uh, in looking around the diamond. Where are, as you see, (laughs) glaring holes? Like, I don't know how you view second base and shortstop. Some have said, hey, maybe Mayer's ready to come up. You could put Story back at second. Do you leave Story at short? How do you handle middle infield going into the offseason?
2: Story's your shortstop, and it's up to him to kind of come out and and be the player he was in Colorado, the player you got, and if he's – What he was there, he can hit fifth for you, he can hit third for you, whatever it may be, you know, the ceiling could be that three-hole we'll see. Second base is wide open, in my opinion. I don't know if there's an answer here. I love Reyes. I think he's kind of like a great utility player if he can get there. But I think at some point you have to, you know, one position, if that's the rotating position, fine. They tried to rotate through catcher, shortstop, second base, and center field this year, and it just didn't work. But if that's the one position that you have to kind of find to fill a hole, so be it, you know, and I think that's – kind of where you're at. I think their big question mark is going to be the outfield. I mean, you know, between Verdugo and Duran and Rafaela and Abreu and Yoshida and Refschnite is already going to be here. And then is there a free agent or is there a trade coming in? They have to figure out what their outfield looks like, who's expendable, who's a tradable asset, and how to improve this baseball team. But I think second's wide open.
3: Bingo. I was just going to go to outfield next, Lou. Have you seen enough from Rafaela that you just – Put the kid in there, deal with the mistakes, and let him grow. Do you have to go out and be in the market for somebody like Otani, even in the short term, just to come in and play outfield? How do you view Verdugo and Duran? I know I threw a lot at you.
2: Yeah, that's just I think that's like the biggest decision the new guy has. Like, you know, Jaron Duran, is he a staple on this team because he's an extremely exciting, dynamic player when you saw him this year? Or is he somebody that teams are extremely excited about because of what they saw and you sell high on, right? Rafaela, you know, can, he, can you withstand just the defense, maybe a slow down offense in a full season? Like I look at Seydan Rafael, I think he's going to be a great player, a great defensive player in center field. But you are a better baseball team if Seydan Rafaela starts in AAA and you have depth. Like everybody wants the kids to play. And quite frankly, I think Corr said the other day about like have, making tough decisions and sending guys down to AAA. That's how you build depth. So if you're able to build a rotation and send two or three arms that you actually like down to AAA or, or a couple of position players you actually like who can actually play down to AAA, that's how you make it. That's how you build a deep team. You know, because it seems like every time they turn around and call somebody up from AAA, he just wasn't ready to compete at this level. we we'll get better players down there. Guys that are ready, knocking on the door. So do you go depth? Do you go assets? A lot of it has to do with trade value. You know, like does a team really want to Bray you? Do they really want Raphael? Do they really want Duran? They really want Verdugo, and what's the, what's the return coming back? I think those are discussions that you got to have with other teams.
4: So Lou Merloni calling us uh, today and for the last time. But it, is it really the last time? Yeah. I don't know. No. Hey, it's no. never the last time.
3: Oh, no. As soon as Lou gets named GM, oh, then we get, to, we get the first interview. We've ah. laid the groundwork. Oh, of course. <laughs> think about all the
4: inside information we would get. Right, <laughs> the assistant to the
3: traveling secretary, Lou Merlone.
4: These, and I know I'd oh, yeah. be able to play that third baseline, hey Lou. So you know, you remember all my issues with Devers. I think Devers yeah. is one of those guys that's going to get lazy. I call it the Pablo uh, Sandoval effect. I do think that eventually, when this new contract, which comes into effect, they start next year, right next season. Um, yeah. I, I just don't believe that he can consistently stay focused long enough to play third place at a high level from beginning to end. Now, Cora, the other day, I had the same thing to him, and it seemed to me that he was like, like Story was going to solve all his problems that he was having, and he would ultimately be better because he can't go to his left, but he can go to his right. Curious to see how you view it.
2: Yeah, I think Story will help him. You know, I've talked. We talk all the time about like free agent pitchers and right hand bat and everything. Like there's, there's a few guys. Like I always, I think one of the big keys is kind of bringing a defensive minded player. You know, years past when you need a guy to kind of like JD Martinez taught this team how to hit the first pitch and be aggressive. You know, Justin Turner's kind of taught this team how to kind of, you know, have competitive at bats. Both things that teams need. I think a team needs a defensive minded player, and I think it's a defensive minded infielder, and it's kind of like a glue guy. And just like one of the guys I love is a guy like Gio Urshela, who's actually out in San Fran, New York. He's kind of held the teams together. But you bring in a defensive guy like that, maybe a utility player, maybe even your starting second baseman. And now you've got a defensive third baseman that's kind of also in Raffi Devers's ear. I think it comes more from your peers than anything. Um, I think that him playing defense kind of uh, bothers Raffi Devers. I expect him to put a lot of work in it to try to get better. But it's been a while. It's been five years. And he's got more errors than any third baseman in baseball. So is that just a position where you have to just be like, you know what, we're going to get inconsistent play, and hopefully he can get a little bit better? But I think bringing in a guy, getting in his ear, I think helps a lot. I'd like to see a defensive-minded, defensive-first player come in here and maybe help some of these guys. Like a lot of offensive players have helped them with their approaches.
3: Lou, uh, Alex Cora has given off every indication and vibe that he's back. He's here. He's the manager next year. You buying it?
2: Well, he certainly sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I kind of wonder if, if like the top maybe three candidates they have in their mind are guys that they know would like to have Cora here as well. And maybe that's kind of part of it. Um, but it is, it is interesting, you know, because it's like you're setting up, you know, Brian O'Halloran kind of got a name job, whether that's a paper transaction to hold him, but rather than just leaving him out there. Uh, you know, Cora seems to be reassurance that he's going to be back here. Yeah, you know, I know that there was, you know, rumors about bringing in pitching guys, and it's sort of like how are they building all this without a decision maker? You know, Greg Breslow, you know, from Chicago. How, how are they doing all this? So is it because they have an idea of who they want, and the two or three guys might be in on all of it? But no, Cor does seems pretty confident about it. I just, you know, I don't like the way they finished this season at all. Right now, four and seventeen. Hopefully, they can turn it around and. I think it be a big part of that thing, just come out and play good baseball the next two or three days.
3: Uh, apparently, Sam Kennedy told the Greg Hill Show earlier today there is an internal candidate, Lou. I know, I think when we talked last week with Brian O'Halloran accepting the new position and staying, and we hear that Eddie Mar- uh, Romero and Raquel Ferreira are apparently locked in as well. I don't know if it's any one of them. Is there anybody else, Lou, that you might know in the organization, minus yourself, that could make a good GM? <laughs>
2: Oh, I am so unqualified for that job. I'll just say that right now.
3: Yeah, so all, Eddie, oh, yeah, all you got to do is go in and spend money. That's what the new guy's going to do anyway. So whether you're qualified <laughs> or not, who the hell cares?
2: Yeah, I know. The game is so different now with all the research and everything else that goes in. But Eddie Romero's the guy. Uh, to me, like I, mean, I don't know. He didn't name the person or whatever, but that's fine. But, I'm, I mean, I'm almost sure that it was Eddie Romero who's under consideration. He's under consideration last time when they brought in Hein Bloom? I think mm. that he's, uh, I think he's a strong candidate. You know, so the only question I would have is, are you just sort of looking to move on from everything? You know what I mean? Or do you want to kind of keep some people in place? Which which is important because if one of the big things you have to do is go out and make some trades, you need someone who knows the system. And you need someone to know who the keepers are and who the, you know, fake ones are as far as prospects go, right? You need people to have eyes on it. So uh, Eddie Romero to me would be, I think, the internal candidate. It would be a good choice if it came down to
4: all right, so last one for me. I'm going to steal this from our show sheet. Um, uh, this was yeah. one of Gresh's, Gresh's questions to me that I don't think we ever got to. When you look back at the entire season, where were you right about this team and where were you wrong?
2: Um, I never thought they'd be a historically bad defensive team. Like I, I didn't. And even though I had questions right from the beginning about up the middle, um, when the season started, you looked at their middle of the diamond and you didn't have a single soul – that has ever played 100 games at the positions they were asked to do it. Duvall was a center fielder. Uh, he, he got moved out of center field in Atlanta because offensively he couldn't handle the position. He got tired, so they moved to the corner outfield. That's where he won gold gloves in the past. He's never really put a full season at center field. Same thing with the middle infielders. We know Kike and Arroyo and the catches were both backups. So um, defensively, even though I kind of knew that they wouldn't be strong at the middle, I don't think they'd be historically bad as they were you know uh, offensively I've I felt like they were gonna be a good baseball team and I'd say up to about two or three weeks ago they were when they just team apparently just sort of stopped but um, so offensively, I think they've been a good team pitching wise I think I was wrong in the sense that I thought a lot of these guys would be able to piece them together um, you know as far as the arms go whether they're three inning guys short guys because they have enough long guys in that bullpen I thought they'd be able to do it but when two or three of those guys went down and you were asked to have a three-man rotation. The first four or five weeks, you survived it. But, of course, for the next two or three, you didn't. And to think that you could survive two months with a three-man rotation in hindsight was ridiculous. So there are some things that are positive about this team. It's just, unfortunately, they're just too thin in too many areas.
3: All right, Lou, let's get to the real important final question here. Uh, What was the nicest golf course you played on the road?
2: That would be San Fran uh, Country Club. San Francisco Country Club, courtesy of one Dave Fleming, Wolf Fleming's brother, who's a member.
3: Oh, beautiful course! Oh, yeah. so Dave. Right oh, Olympic. will will must have loved that. Hey, your brother is going to host hmm. us today. I'm sure that was that might have went over
2: well. Oh, oh no, he thoroughly enjoyed it because it's a beautiful course, and we, you know, he doesn't mind one bit <laughs> taking <laughs> advantage of his brother's connections because it. I mean, old old course, 300 members, like I said, right next to Olympic, beautiful course. So that was uh, San Fran was special. That was nice. That's a nice one. Twelve dollars beers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do not drink, of course, on game days. Gresh, I mean, I would uh, never. Drink uh, <laughs> what All right,
3: then. talking about. <laughs> it's only baseball. Uh, by the way, uh, quick, quick thought on Tito retiring. Terry Francona is now done. Uh, he waltzes into the Hall of Fame, right?
2: Yeah, he walks in. I mean, one of the greatest of all time. Just the communication, self-deprecating humor. I mean, everybody everybody's ever met the guys, loved the guy. Um, how he manages a clubhouse, how he has the players' backs, how he you know he's just a great in-game manager. I mean, everything. It's just like, the guy's been in the game for so long. He's a lifer, and I don't think you can find too many people that have too many bad things to say about the guy. I'm sure there's a player or two that wasn't happy with his usage, but for <laughs> the most part, like, he's... <laughs> He's one of the greats, you know what I mean, and, and you got a couple of them too, like Dusty Baker, you know Bochi, you know, two so, of so those guys right now, kind of still in the game. But Tito will be missed, and I hope he uh, enjoys his life. And he know, he got a
3: baseball. and he got a great send off in Cleveland, and uh, yeah. well, I guess we will
4: uh, see you when we see you there, oh, Lou. as soon as they hire somebody, the phone's going
2: to be ringing. Luke. He knows. Oh yeah. I'll be around. I'll be around. I'll be around. You guys, let me know. I'll just pop in for a couple hours. Any yeah,
3: and jock time, Jockich yeah. episode like five. Yeah, I'm I sure. Mean, I'm sure I'll have somewhere to go for you. I'll fall back on that again. Load it up with all the jocks and talk about jock stuff.
2: That's <laughs> what we do. There you go. <laughs> hey Lou, <laughs> thank boo. you, man.
3: You were great all year all right, long. Boys. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you, man. Have a great weekend. Fun talking. I'll see you guys soon.